Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. If you're hanging out with us online today, thanks for being with us. My name's Ryan. I get to serve as our youth pastor here. And I don't know about you, but I've been super thankful for this series on words. It's made me think a lot about the words that I speak. And in a funny way, I've kind of been thinking about some of the words I use, which I've started to discover that at times I can use words that are a little bit above my pay grade. If anybody has ever done that, um, at times they're a bit superfluous. And if I could pontificate as to why that may be the case, uh, I would say that I usually don't have people call me on it. That's the real thing. You know, if you had a fine for every time someone made you define a word that you use and you couldn't, you know, define it, you probably would not use words, big words very often. And so I was just thinking about this. Yeah, I do this all the time. And so today, believe it or not, that actually leads me to our scripture. I know it's hard to believe. Let's go to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation." Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so since we're in a series on words and we're unpacking words that we use a lot, but sometimes we struggle to define, let me ask you this question. What is the gospel? So this is what we're supposed to go preach to all the world. This is what we're supposed to go preach to all creation. But what is the gospel? The, the Greek word that they use for this is called evangelio. It's kind of talking about, it's where evangelism comes from. It means good news. What is the good news? And so many of us, the first thing that comes to mind because we've been trained up in the word of God, we've been trained up in church, is that Jesus came to forgive our sins, to make us right with God so that we could spend eternity in heaven. And if that's what you believe the good news is, I want you to know you're right. But I want you to know that there's so much more to that than what we often assume or believe that Jesus even taught. And so I want to take you to Jesus today. I want to take you to his teachings, to his word, as we talk about spreading the word. And I want to look at what was the message of the gospel that Jesus preached. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, then Jesus began to preach. So this is the good news. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So this is what we're all familiar with, right? Turn to God so that you can experience heaven. But it's not where it finishes. In verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news, that gospel, about the kingdom. In other words, the very message Jesus preached was not the gospel of salvation alone. It was actually the gospel of the kingdom. And since we're talking about words and defining words, I want to think about what is the kingdom? What is a kingdom? I love how Dallas Willard describes this. He says, God's own kingdom or rule is the range of his effective will. It's where what he wants done is done. The best way I could think to illustrate this has to do with in our household, we have a constant vying for control of the remote control. And the reason why is because the product that we'll be watching on the screen is vastly different depending on who is in control of the remote control. If my three-year-old daughter has control, 
we will be watching Frozen again. <laughs> if my wife has control, we'll be watching some reality show competition or a reality makeover, you know, home makeover show. If my one and a half year old son has the remote, we will be spending $24.99 on a movie that dad was not smart enough to set the restrictions on so he couldn't purchase with our money. <laughs> but if you want things done right, you give the controller to me <laughs> and we'll just be watching sports <laughs> again. <laughs> but what's happening here? It's the person with the remote in our house is setting up and establishing a kingdom on the video screen. They're establishing their effective will. What they want done is being expressed on the TV. And in the same way, Jesus came preaching this message that God is a king who is ready to rule. We gave his rulership away when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and sinned, and we gave permission to the devil to run this world, but the king is coming. In fact, the king is at hand. He's here, and his kingdom comes, and in his rule and reign, it is expressed where what he wants done is done. And if you think about where is the place where his effective will is completely in operation, it's heaven. In heaven, there's no more sorrow, there's no more injustice, there's no more evil, there's no more depravity or sin, there's no more sickness, there's no more decay, there's no more depression, there's no more anxiety. All of that is done away with. Why? Because God is fully at rule in heaven. But here's why that news is so good that Jesus preached, because he said, what's happening in heaven is now available to you on earth. What did Jesus teach us to pray? He said, may your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth, as it is in heaven. Look at what Jesus goes on to do in verse 23. It says that he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. What's happening? Jesus is declaring that God is going to rule and reign, not only in the future, but that reign and rule is starting right here and now, and if you want to be a part of it, let me show you how. And here's what's so amazing. Not only did he declare that, he demonstrated it. He demonstrated what life under God's rule is like. And so he healed sicknesses and he cast out demons and he extinguished darkness with the light. And here's what I want us to understand in light of this word we've been talking about, which is gospel, right? What was our opening verse in Mark chapter 16? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So what is the good news that we are responsible to do? It is to declare and to demonstrate that King, our King is coming. Look what Jesus sends out his disciples to do in Matthew chapter 10. It says, and proclaim as you go saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or in some translations, translations it says, or the kingdom of heaven has come. In other words, we know that someday God will marry heaven and earth, that the kingdom of heaven will fully rest and God will recreate earth and he will make it in the way he desires it to be. But in the here and now, we get to invite it in to our world. Any place in our world, in our heart, in our family, in our neighborhood that does not look like heaven, God is actually inviting us to invite him. 
by bringing the good news of the kingdom, its demonstration and its declaration, its declaration and its demonstration. We declare that the king is coming and then we show what it looks like to live under his rule. This is the good news of the gospel. And I love thinking about this because this is such a critical thing for us to understand that God wants to bring his kingdom as a seed. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13. It says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put in only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And here's what I kind of want to drive home for us today, that even simple actions become seeds in action. And sometimes it is the simple actions that enable God to move as a seed that grows into a tree, as yeast that permeates the dough. You have the opportunity to bring little seeds of heaven into your world and watch them expand and watch them grow. I was thinking about this because about over a little over a decade ago, I was in college and I was uh, playing baseball. And as a freshman coming in, it became very clear to my teammates right away that I was a Christian. I, I didn't go to all the same parties. I didn't do all the same things they were doing. And so they probably even viewed me with some assumptions that I was a goody two-shoe or I was judging. I, I don't know. But I always knew that I'm going to go in here and I'm going to pray for my teammates to experience what it's like to live under the rule and reign of Jesus because it's changed me from the inside out. And so I remember we were about to go on a four mile conditioning run, which just tells me how long ago it's been because I cannot tell you the last time I went on a four mile conditioning run. We were about to go on this run and I remember seeing one of my teammates who was limping. Now, let me just tell you about this teammate. This teammate was nothing like me. He went to all the parties that I didn't go to. He was hooking up with all the people I wasn't hooking up with. And he was, he was living his life in a way that completely did, had showed no thought or, of Jesus in his life. But I, I went up to him before the run and I said, hey, you know, I know this might sound crazy, but I've actually prayed for people. And because Jesus is really a good king, like he actually can heal. And I've seen it do it before. Could I pray for your ankle? And uh, he kind of gave me the look like, what are you doing here, you know? And so he's like, sure. So I pray for his ankle and, and then we go on our four mile run and he comes back and he's like, hey, thanks, thanks for praying. It felt a little better, you know? But that one simple action became a seed because what started to happen is we started to connect. We started to go to the cafeteria and eat dinner together and we started, I started to hang out at his apartment and we started to, to build a relationship and slowly but surely he started to see that I, I, I was not maybe who he assumed I was. And actually, I remember one day we were standing in center field about an hour and a half before the game. We're taking batting practice and we're shagging fly balls in center field. And we started to get into this conversation about his life. And he told me that when he was the age of three years old, that his dad left. And that for the last 17, 18 years, all he could think about was this question of why was I not good enough for my dad? Why did he leave? And in that moment, as tears started to go down his face in the middle of center field an hour and a half before the game, I remember thinking, yeah, but I know a king who also is a father. And I began to share with him that God is a father who never leaves us and never forsakes us. 
that he promises he'll be a father to the fatherless. And in that moment, God just using a little seed started to transform his heart. In fact, right there in center field, an hour and a half before the game, he made this decision to follow Jesus. Don't tell me life with Jesus is not the greatest adventure ever. You never know where it's gonna take you. And I remember him talking to me afterward and he said, you know, the thing that really changed my perspective of you, I don't know if you remember this moment, was when you prayed for my ankle before that run. And I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, you know, when you pray, not much happened. And I said, oh, thanks. All right, I'll see you. <laughs> he said, but I was so blown away that someone would care enough about me to ask me to pray. That's why I even gave you a chance. You never know when a simple action is going to be a seed in action. You never know when the kingdom of God is gonna start in a very small, seemingly insignificant way, but grow and blossom into something that you could have never predicted and imagined. And I was thinking about this. I, I saw this study that was done about two missionary teams. And these two missionary teams they went to Thailand and they were doing missionary work there. And after about two years, they conducted this study to see how their progress was going. And what they found is there was one group who went with the sole intention of just converting people to Christianity and doing a good work. I mean, they were loving people, sharing the good news with them about Christianity in a place that didn't have it. And so they were called in the study, the converters. And then there was another group who they were called the blessers. They went to this group, yes, to share the good news of Jesus, but to also bless the community, to make it a better place, to, to be a, a hands and feet of Jesus. And after two years, what they discovered was that the converters saw two people come to Christ, which I think is amazing. It's, it's hard work when you're telling people who have never heard about Jesus before, who he is and what he's done. So it was amazing that those two people came to Christ. But what they found is that the societal impact was very minimal. There was not a whole lot of good that was done in addition to, to the conversions. But the blessers, the people who went there just to bless, in two years, they found that there was great societal impact. Things got better. But they also found that 48 people made a decision to follow Jesus. And what they concluded was that there was something powerful about blessing. And I, I would say it this way that we best accomplish the Great Commission through the Great Commandment. What is the Great Commission? It's to go into all the world, preach the gospel, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. And how do we best make this happen? We do it by loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Today, I wanna to ask you an offensive question, but hey, that's what I'm here to do. It offends me, that's why I say that. But here's the question. Do you love people more than you love people getting saved? And maybe some of you have like the red flags going like, whoa, 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 that's kind of, that sounds like a little gospel light there, man. But see, people know when you're trying to close the deal, don't they? <laughs> they know when you're being a salesperson just to try and win another convert and get another tally on your record so that you can impress God or impress people. And absolutely, if you love people, you will want them to have Jesus in their life. You will want them to know Jesus. That will be one of your primary goals. But do you love them in the same way that God loves us? He loves us more than he loves us being saved. He doesn't force us, he, he loves us. 
And, and this is what we're called to do. We're called to be a blessing. When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, look, through you, your seed, there's going to be one who brings blessing to the entire world. That was Jesus. What does Jesus do? He blesses. And in the same way, we actually have the ability to bless others in our sphere with the good news of declaration and demonstration to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. And so today I wanna to just teach you a really practical way to bless the world around you. And I would do this where you live in your neighborhood. I do it where you learn in your school. I do it where you uh, work. I do it where you play, your hobbies, your gaming communities, all of those things. But we can bless people wherever we go in our sphere. And so here's, here's the acronym. It's a little acronym, but I've been doing this for the past couple of years and it's been super helpful for me because I'm not the Mr. like, hey, I can talk to anybody in five minutes like they're gonna be just all about Jesus. For me, it's a, I have to build relationship. I have to show them what Jesus is all about. So this has been really helpful for me. The first one is B, begin with prayer. I think some of us view prayer as a spiritual exercise instead of realizing that it's an exercise of spiritual authority. That prayer is not, a test that almost all of us feel like we're failing, prayer is a tool. It's a primary vehicle God has used to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And people don't have to know you're praying for them for you to pray for them. And so a couple, probably about a year and a half ago, I just started taking morning walks in my neighborhood. And as I walk, I just pray. And sometimes I'll take my little son along on the stroller and we'll just walk around and pray. It's usually dark out, but I'm praying for God to work. And through that walk, I've met so many people that God has enabled me to bless. Prayer is the primary way. In fact, I was just talking to one of our staff members this week and they were talking about how they just prayed at the beginning of last week, God, would you send some people across my path who don't know you? And sure enough, they're sitting at Stone Fruit Coffee and right next to them sits a person who strikes up a conversation. Before they know it, they're inviting them to Christmas at BC and they're having a great conversation. It starts with prayer, it begins with prayer. The second one is L for listen. And if I were to say, maybe there's one the church could improve at as a whole, I don't mean just our church, I just mean the church in America. Maybe it would be this one. Because I think we've bought into the narrative that in order to be heard, you have to scream louder than the person who opposes you. That's basically what we do on social media. That's what we do in our, you know, when we're watching Fox or CNN, it's, it's what we do. We just scream louder. And yet maybe the key to bringing the good news to people is actually listening. Maybe it's hearing what are their needs. Maybe it's hearing what are their aspirations or their goals. It's hearing who they really are. And I've come to a point in my life where I'd rather listen to 100 words than speak 100 words. Because sometimes when you speak 100 words, you hit something that you think is right what they need. And then if you were to listen for 100 words, you'd realize that's not what they need at all. You could speak 10 words to write what they directly need instead of speaking 100 that they never needed to hear in the first place. I wanna be a listener. And this is where we begin to understand what are the needs? What are the things that really are the internal drives for people? The next one is probably my favorite, partly because I'm half Italian and that's eat. Jesus did eating evangelism so often. He did dinners with people. This was a primary way that he would connect with. And people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus because he would do dinners with them. He showed them value by sitting across the table from them. 
There's something that's so leveling to just sitting across from somebody. It's not like one person's up in the position of superiority and the other person's not. No, you're across the table. You, there's a communion there. There's a, a shared experience there. And maybe you're just one coffee away from seeing somebody in your life experience God's rule and reign, blessing one person. So I love this one, eating, sharing meals. The, the next one is serve. And this one is so cool. This is what Jesus taught us to do, right? We serve. We follow the example of our Savior who came not to be served, but to serve. And what does it look like to serve? Well, oftentimes we think, well, maybe I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll mow their lawn for them. That is a way to serve. Absolutely. But Jesus, when he taught his disciples to go out, he said, hey, heal the sick, raise the dead. No pressure. Uh, you know, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, right? So how do we serve people? We bring heaven to them, right? What is the kingdom of heaven? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when you bring peace to someone who's been struggling with anxiety, you're serving them. When you bring joy to someone who's been struggling with depression, you're serving them. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the blind. So when you serve the poor or the widow or the orphan or the immigrant or the prisoner in Jesus' name, you are doing what God wants, but you're also bringing the kingdom of God to those people. We serve one another. The final one is share. This is maybe what we most commonly identify with evangelism, right? We share, we, we share. And maybe you've like, uh, I can't get up with a mic and I can speak great. You don't need to. Sharing is as simple as sharing your story or sharing God's story. I don't know what your story is, but I know that you're sitting here today because God has done something in your heart and in your life. And maybe it's not finished yet. In fact, it won't be until you're face-to-face -face with Jesus. But I can say this, God has done something for you. And you know what? There's nothing threatening about someone who shares what God has done in them. I, I think about sharing God's story I mean, one of my favorite things to do is we have, you know, at times we'll do Bible studies with young guys, maybe, you know, just out of high school or in high school. And, and one of my favorite things to do is just ask people that I know that are maybe not Christians or maybe they're, they're considering. And I'll just say, hey, we just read this scripture together in this Bible study. I was just curious, what do you think about that? I'm just asking their opinion. I'm not trying to tell them, no, this is what you need to know from this. I'm just saying, well, what's your thoughts? And so many fruitful things have come from that. And I just want to encourage this. You can share. Here's maybe the lowest hanging fruit, okay? It's the easiest one. Grab an invite. Grab an invite. You know, we, we build bridges, not barriers. That's a core conviction for us as a church. That means that everything we do is going to be with someone who's not in the kingdom of God in mind. We're at least going to keep them in mind, but especially on weekends like Christmas at BC, we are constantly thinking, how can we help someone who's never connected with God before connect with God? And so not only do we build bridges as you know, a church collectively, we do it individually. We do it when every person builds a bridge into their relational networks. And so I want to encourage you today, to grab three of these, but to do it with intention and say, God, I'm going to grab some of these and I want, I would, would you, I'm going to pray that you would give me people or bring people across my path that could benefit from what we're offering. Man, maybe they have, they've had a longing to do that, but they've just needed someone to invite them. Church, this is such an easy way to build bridges to bring the kingdom of God is just to invite someone to church. I want to conclude with this story. 
there was this missionary couple who went in and his name was Jim. They called him Baba Jim in this country in Indonesia, or they went to Indonesia. And when they went there, they just went to share who Jesus was, to serve. And the wife was what they called a jungle nurse, which means she didn't have any super formal training here in America, but it was good enough for what was better than over there. So she just served people. And, and they were known as a couple whose prayers got answered. And so maybe people didn't necessarily receive their message, but they knew that they were people of prayer who saw prayers get answered. And so one day, Baba Jim gets a phone call. And on the other side of the phone is the local owner of the bordello, which is a brothel. It's a place of prostitution. And he says, Baba Jim? And Jim says, uh, yeah. He says, hey, I have some girls that are sick and I was wondering, everything we've tried hasn't worked. I was wondering if you would come pray for them. And Baba Jim said what all smart men say, let me check with my wife and get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) And so him and his wife, they get before God and they say, God, what do you want us to do here? And they specifically felt like God was saying to them, don't reject this opportunity. And don't go in there just trying to rescue one girl. Instead, bring the kingdom of God to this bordello. And so they go and they pray for these girls. And this is the first time that anyone has stepped foot in this bordello to not abuse these girls, but to just show them value. And so they pray for these girls. And after they're done praying, Baba Jim says, hey, I always love to see how my prayers are being answered. Could I come back next week? And they all said, yes, please, yes, come back. And so the next week they came back and they did the same thing. The next week they came back and did the same thing. The next week they came back and did the same thing. But on the fourth week, Bob and Jim said, hey, I was just wondering, you know, could I share with you guys some stories of Jesus' life and his teachings? Could I come back to do that? And they said, oh, yes, we'd love that. And so each week, Baba Jim would bring the owner and these girls. He would, he would share the stories of Jesus with them and they would ask these questions. They'd say, you know, what does this teach us about God and people? And they would say, you know, what, uh, what could we do about this if this is true? What should we change in our life? And, and the final question they asked was, who could we share this with? And as you may guess, prostitutes in their culture, as maybe in many cultures, they were not people with great reputations that had just a ton of friends. In fact, these girls couldn't think of any friends, but when they talked about it, they said, well, there is one group of people we could share it with, which is the abusers. And so, however it looked, after business was conducted, the girls would say to the men, they would say, hey, I heard this story today. Could I share it with you? And they would share the story of Jesus. And these men would go home to their families and they'd say, hey, when I was out and about today, I heard this story and slowly but surely the word of God, which was like a seed, it began to expand, it began to expand. And these women who once saw themselves only as prostitutes began to see a new identity, that they were actually princesses. And what's so incredibly miraculous is that the kingdom of God grew so and expanded so powerfully in this bordello that the bordello actually ended up closing its doors and converted to a church. And so you had in this church women who were formerly prostitutes worshiping the God whose good rule changed their lives. 
And if that was the end of the story, that'd be amazing. But it's not the end of the story. Because remember those guys that they were telling? Well, they were going home to their families and that word of God was like a seed and it was transforming their families. And so one day, those same men who used to be the abusers, they were now worshiping at the same church as the same women who were the former prostitutes. They were able through the blood and the kingdom of God to be able to worship side by side because the kingdom of God came to a bordello. And church, I just want to say this to us. Here's the final word of our series word, legacy. You have a legacy. All throughout history, since the time of Jesus, Jesus was the seed. He was the God who became nothing. He he took on the nature of a slave. He humbled himself with a death on a cross, which by the way, that wasn't the victorious sign everybody was looking for, but it was a seed. And when he raised from life, to life three days later, it was the seed that would change all of history. And so that's why in the 400s, you saw hospitals open up by Christians who were caring for those who were sick and cast aside by society. They were showing hospitality to the world. You saw universities start to pop up because Christians realized this is gonna help us understand God better. You saw slavery denied in in England because in William Wilberforce, a Christian was instrumental into putting an end to slavery. You see Christian lawyers throughout history who are starting to argue for this idea based out of scripture that there's such a thing as human rights, which had never existed before. But they read Genesis 1 that says all people are made in the image of God. And they say, no, there is this thing called human rights. You see Dr. King who is arguing and, and fighting for racial reconciliation. It was a gospel message that motivated him. We have a legacy to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But don't get intimidated by the large scope of what you just heard because all of those things, including what God wants to do, they always start with the simple action because those are the seeds that get put into action. Let's pray. God, I thank you for what started as a seed in my heart, that there was so much more available than to just live a life of sin and and slavery to sin. And the kingdom of God came and set me free first, but it's, it hasn't stopped there. And in the same way, I know I'm sitting in a room full of people, people online, who are experiencing the life of God in a way that is transforming their world. And here's just my prayer. I pray, would you fan that into flame in our community? Fan that into flame in our world. May our cities not only be connected with God in a way that prepares them for when they die, but may they be connected with God that actually brings the kingdom of heaven to earth. And I pray that there would be a fresh commissioning and a fresh anointing on our church to fulfill the great commission through the great commandment. Open our eyes to see those people in our world who need you, who need your rule, who need your reign. I wanna give one last invitation. And it's just simply to anyone who has never accepted the rule of Jesus in their life. You never made Jesus the Lord of life. You never trusted him with your life. I know it can be scary because Jesus said, you could be gaining the whole world, but he asked, what good is it if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? 
And Jesus said, if you're willing to lay down your life, I'll show you what it means to truly live. And today I wanna to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. It's a powerful thing because he takes our sins and removes them from us, but that's just the start. He gives us power to overcome sin. He gives us power to live in his kingdom, to rule and reign with him. He's got a great plan for you, a great purpose. And I really believe that saying yes to him is just the seed that grows something powerful in your life. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer together. It's a simple prayer, a seed prayer. But we basically just say yes to Jesus. And if, if this is you, whether you're watching online on your phone or at TCI or Boardman, I want to encourage you, if you are saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, to pray from your heart and know that he will save you. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Church, would you help me pray so no one prays alone? Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Right now, I repent. I turn to you. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You rose to life again so I could be raised with you. You are Lord of my life. I give you my yes. I give you my trust. And I give you my life. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.